Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Bulls Beat Podcast Show, the Chicago Bulls Podcast. Welcome back to the Bulls Beat Bulls fans. Here with me today is Mark Kay from Australia, Fred Pfeiffer from, was it, uh, I want to say Batavia, but that's wrong. Bartlett. Bartlett. Big red bus. The Chicago big red bus. Like, come on. Yeah, I mean, I was. You know, the oh, big yeah. red closet. <laughs> big red closet in his closet. Bringing us a show without barking. We appreciate you sitting in the closet for an hour just to do that. Definitely not a bet you lost or anything like that. Uh, so, Mark. Well, clothes are like a perfect soundproof for a room. So, I highly recommend if any of you guys want to start a podcast, do it from your closet. <laughs> That might actually Go be on. good advice. I was looking for a way to do that. Now I have a gigantic, like, one-foot-wide, like, mic cover that, like, tries to deaden all the sound. That works, too. Even better than the closet. Uh, Mark, how are you doing? All the, uh, all the way to join us. Thank you for, for coming on with, with Fred and I. We know it was a journey to get here for all of us. Yeah, no, thank you for having me. I think we need to preface this, though, that we're, there may be some overlap in our conversation because you and I have dialed into teams perfectly fine we can see each other it's very easy to pick up as to who's talking who's communicating when whereas frederick despite you know everyone in this day and age understanding how to use microsoft teams or an equivalent post-covid this man has dialed in via his mobile phone we can't see him he can't see us there's no cues as to when people were talking so there's, there- a, there's a fair chance that someone will be interrupting someone i mean that's going to happen regardless but it's probably more apparent in this episode just through the fact that we can't really connect because someone hasn't dialed Did- in properly so Hello? i just needed to Did preface you? that you can hear him in the background Doug- trying to speak over me now because he doesn't understand how technology works but other than that doug i'm fine how are you fine i'm doing great you know what <laughs> Fred is. <laughs> let me. Uh, look, I gotta make a comment here. <laughs> right, let me just say, first of all, the audacity, the absolute audacity of Mark to to say that about me when we just had three or four minutes of, of pure gold that was lost forever because he couldn't <laughs> I've figure done out everyone how to start. A great service. <laughs> the, the, audacity. Service. <laughs> the, the audacity. The audacity. But before we get started, I just want to say. It's an honor to be on the show with two legends, Mark. All right, let's go. <laughs> the joke was even better the second time you threw it in there. <laughs> it's amazing. And we know we know you're not sweating any jokes we'd make about you because you're wearing antiperspirant that lasts for a long period of time. 96 hours. <laughs> Part of it's 96 the 96 hours. Hidden I almost material. forget the when last I put it on. Forever. Thank God. Oh, man. All right. So I was going to start off with Mark and I have fought about Nikola Vucevic. For the last two, three years. I don't know how long, however long it's been since this trade. Two and a half so, years. Two and a half years. I've enjoyed it. Uh, so I just want to see where you are in a few things. One, Mark, if we had to do this trade over again, with mm-hmm. all you know now, like this mm-hmm. is totally hindsight, not in the moment, just hindsight. Would you make this trade? I would not make this trade based on all the follow-up moves the team had made. If the, if the team is wedded to doing the exact same uh, exact same thing over and over in terms of all the moves made beyond the Vooch trade, then I don't make the trade. If I have flexibility to do differently than what AK did post the trade, then I probably still make the trade. So that's my official position on it. Um, yeah, I, I think that answers your question. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I guess I just, and we're losing you here or there. So you had like 10 seconds of silence in the middle of your response. So oh. I'll actually get to listen to that later on when uh, you know I mix it all together because you're recording separately. But I, I would say, I would oh, say, um, 
I just was curious because we talk a lot about like there's there's like a few things. One is like was this trade a good trade? Mm-hmm. And and like I obviously very strongly think no. I would not do this trade under any circumstances, regardless of what the follow-up moves are. But then two, then there's a second conversation of like, is Vooch a good player? If you ignore the package, like he's here now, whatever that the trade was two and a half years ago. And now, especially with the new contract, you're looking into the future. You're not looking into the past anymore. Like we could have just cut bait at this point, but we re-upped. Mm-hmm. So we generally both agree we would not do the trade. You have maybe a couple caveats of like, yeah, maybe I would do this under slightly different circumstances that didn't happen. But yeah. under the circumstances that did happen, you'd agree probably a mistake if you're going to follow up with it in the same way that was made. Yeah, if, if, we, if we're wedded to what has played out, then yes, I think it's a mistake because I wanted to blow this thing up at the deadline. Um, clearly, they haven't done that. They've retained everyone. They've brought everyone back. They're, they're doing the thing again. And maybe the thing upcoming thing will be better than the thing that we just saw. But um, yeah, assuming in this fictitious scenario that everything has to stay as is, then I probably don't do it knowing what I know now. But um, I wouldn't have done what AK have done in terms of the follow-up moves as well. So it's a complex situation, but uh, yeah, as it stands, hasn't worked out as I hoped. All right, fair enough. And then Fred, you got anything else you want to say about this? I don't want to leave you out of this conversation. Yeah, I mean, I... Th- I- I think in most of these conversations that we have among amongst us three, you know, Mark always takes kind of like a little bit more sea red <laughs> positive side. Doug, you're a little bit more doggable, and I'm the moderate source yeah. of reason in the middle. I think I find myself in this role role yet again. As as I I must say, like I, I agreed with Mark when the, when the trade happened. I agreed. I wanted them to get Vooch. I wanted them to take a big swing. I completely understood the reasoning behind it. I think I've talked about it ad nauseum that you know Vooch was a stretch five at that time when we got him with on high volume and I know Doug your your counter is well he did it for one year looks a little bit like uh Tory Craig half year I, I might say so but him. that said hey half year half year right that said I, I completely understood the thinking behind it uh but you know unequivocally this has been a complete disaster by any stretch of the imagination and that's what I'm frustrated with is there's so many fans out there that don't want to admit that and just want to continue going on like this is a good thing and we're going to double down now with three years on Vooch I guess I'm fine with two years on Vooch the third year is going to be I think a joke he's clearly declining we saw that we've seen that from the all-star break on he's just not the same player that he was and how many 35 year old centers out there in his in his mold really thrive or get better at this age they get worse and most of the time significantly worse so, you know, a big picture, he's a good dude. I like him. I think next year he'll be fine. The following year, less so. And the, and the third year will be, you know, we'll just be looking to try to get him off the roster. But, uh, you know, I guess I'm just tired of being negative, Doug. Like, I mean, you know, you're right. You're right, absolutely, in this whole thing. But we can also look at the positive. He's not a terrible player. He's not a terrible person. He's a great recruiter. <laughs> he does a lot of other good things well. Good passer. <laughs> let's let's not let's not act like the sky is totally collapsed on on, on our beloved. Yeah, and I'll team. say I said my view was if we wanted to put together the best short term team we could, we probably were going to keep Vooch, hmm. and that's what happened. Like yeah. I'm a little annoyed that I feel like we bid against ourselves. Like I don't think there is anyone else who is going to go above the mid-level exception, at least not notably above it. And Agreed. so that bothers me a little bit. But in the grand scheme of things, when Dylan Brooks is getting $80 million, like it, 
you know, whatever, some of the other free agent stuff. Uh, you just, that's just the way free agency goes. It, it isn't like an albatross among albatrosses, just given 20 million in today's NBA is not like such a crazy amount, no matter how you slice it. All right. So going forward, then, I guess. Yeah. Can I, can I throw something out there really quick, yeah. though, guys? I want to, I want to use this for, uh, uh, just to, to kind of like throw a little shade at Mark. <laughs> Would you say that this contract, the Vooch contract, the three years for $60 million, do you think it's worse than, I'm going to throw out four signings? Deion Waiters, four years, $52 no. million. <laughs> no. Yes or no? Yeah. Tyler Johnson, four years, $50 million. No. Is this like an anti-hate thing? No. Kyle Lowry, three years, $90 million. I, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm just, let me finish. Two more to go. Kyle Lowry, three no. years, $90 million. Probably not. No. Duncan Robinson, five years. Ni- Duncan Robinson, five years, no. ninety million. No. Biggest point here is, I just saw your tweet, Mark, about glorifying this incredible Heat organization, this this incredible leviathan of of basketball integrity. <laughs> I just highlighted four horrible contracts that organization signed in yeah. the last ten years. They've had one All Star they drafted since they took Beasley number two overall. You can pound sand with your heat are the greatest <laughs> org in the world. They they reside in America's playground in a warm weather city, just like LA. They're not better org than the Bulls. They have a better coach, no doubt the best coach in basketball. But the heat from Justice Winslow to Josh Richardson and PJ Harrison and all these other flops they signed in their first year. They they haven't done anything that's deserving of Yeah, of who fawning. cares if you make the finals Let's twice see. and the Eastern Conference Finals once in the last Four years. Who cares? In Giannis I, mean, injury, I would hate that if we did that. In, in Giannis injury years. <laughs> in Giannis injury years, yes, they've gone to the finals in a bubble induced. They, they uh, beat the number one yeah, and number two seeds in the East. No. And the only game that Giannis missed, they won, right? Isn't that correct? The Bucks won the one game. Or he missed two games, and they were one and one. Giannis played half the possible minutes. Half the possible minutes in this one, and he missed key games the last. They won hey, one yeah, of those. They games. got there. Fair enough. Hey, one you of made those was a win. Doug. They still beat the Let's number two on. seed. Let's move on. <clears throat> I think it's time. Yeah, to move yeah. Here's a great point. point. Here's the facts: the Bulls have a losing <laughs> record over the last 25 years. Everyone's hanging on to the six titles from you know a generation ago that some people have never even seen. As we move forward, there's, there doesn't seem like there's any titles around the corner, whereas the Heat, potentially based on what happens this offseason, will continue their winning ways. There's no sane person out there. S- emphasis on sane, which maybe you are not, Frederick. There is no sane person out there that would suggest that the Chicago Bulls are a better run organization than the Miami Heat. Now, you can list out the contracts that they have that were terrible signings, and yet, despite that, they still found a way to turn this their, their specific situation into a winning program. So yes, a normal, rational person, someone who you claimed to be before when you said you were a moderate, would argue that the Heat are the better, more competent uh, organization. So what, what are we even doing here, Doug? Let, let, let's get this thing back. I don't know how we got to the point where Fred is the moderate. I'm, I'm not saying... Well, that's what he like claimed your, before. Your whole shtick is like not moderate. Your whole shtick is, is I, the I took out a poll, and I think... I think I, uh, there was an in-depth uh, study of our uh, shows by the Northeast uh, Idaho <laughs> University that showed I was very moderate, <laughs> yeah. in my opinion. <laughs> let's, let's, let's move, move on. on. Let's get on to the next topic. Uh, so maybe, maybe Mark, I think this offseason, yeah. Fred and I have used the example on our last uh, bus ride. 
that it feels like this was the Thad Young and Sadoransky signing yeah. off season we had yeah. a couple of years ago, where it's like, mm-hmm. you like the moves generally, th- they're margin moves, but you thought they were good contracts. We didn't really screw anything up. Um, but you kind of question like where we're going here. And I don't know. If, if you said you wanted to blow it up at the deadline. Mm-hmm. Would you still have wanted to blow it up this summer? And if you knew the return was going to be pretty pedestrian, which is kind of the rumor. Say you got a few picks from the Knicks for Zach Levine, but they're those kind of like ones that project in the late first rounders and not great picks. And you're able to get maybe one mid to late first for DeRozan and nothing for Vucci just walks. Would you still have wanted to blow it up or would you rather be on the path we're on now? Uh, I mean, ideally, yes, I'd still on the, be on the blow it up path just because I'm, I still question what the point of this all this whole thing is. Um, to, to your analogy that you guys used on the on the last uh, BRB, which I think was an app one, like the bar was so low for John Paxson that signing Tomas Sadoransky and, and Thad Young was seen as a, you know, just a gigantic, uh, just, just something that we should all revere. And the same is true for AK now where we've gone through three or four transactional cycles when he's done nothing. So the minute he does something with some semblance of competence, people are over the moon. So... I get it, and like this team could be good and fun, but at the same time, I think the points that you were making, Doug, on the last BRB was correct. Like, okay, there might be a situation where this team can get itself up into sixth, but there's also a real possibility where we're still, you know, lingering down in that ninth, tenth seed. So at that point, what are we really doing? And I, I guess some of this is going to be. I don't like to be results based. I prefer to be process based. But I think in reality, in some regards, you know, being a fan will always be. There will always be a part of us that is results-based. So if this team were to exceed expectations, if they could have a season where they're, you know, like a fifth seed, get to the second round like the Knicks did, I would prefer that than a rebuild. But I can't, you know, hand on heart say that that's likely right now. So I probably still would have blown it up. I probably still would have done that and gone down that path. Anytime you blow it up, like the value, the, the real value in those type of deals anyway is enhancing your pick like how many picks do teams get when they blow it up from uh, opposing organizations whereby those picks really turn into something meaningful like often it's you know their own picks that end up being the the prize or like benefiting or increasing the value of their own picks so that's probably would have been the situation anyway so uh, yeah i just don't understand what we're doing here i kind of feel like we get in a situation where we're going to be wasting zach levine's prime but it is what it is it's the the path has been set and let's just see how it plays out you got anything new to add, Fred? All right, like, yeah, I mean, uh, so I'm a. I've been teaching the kids poker. I've been teaching the neighborhood kids and their. You sound like poker. a great role model. I'm a, so I'm a numbers guy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a numbers guy. I'm an odds man. Uh, you know, what do you think the odds are better? What odds are better? Zach Levine becoming a top ten player, or blowing it up, finding lottery luck, drafting a stud in the lottery, having said stud stay healthy, not as INS-esque decline, and then when do you realize the fruits of that move? Four or five years down the road? Like, I'm not, I'm, I'm done with that. I, I, I'd i rather, you know, the Bulls right now as a team probably have a second-round ceiling. There's a lot of good that comes with a second-round ceiling. There's a lot of fun that comes when a team is competitive and playing at a, at a high level at some point of the season, which almost every team that gets to the second round does. I, I would argue that nobody realistically felt the Heat could have got to the Eastern Conference Finals based on their performance throughout this past year. 
I think it's possible that the Bulls, maybe their ceiling could be higher if you get a little bit of luck and some of the young players developing. I'd rather go down that road than doing the blow-up, finding lottery luck model because, I don't know, I'm just, I'm just, maybe I'm just getting too old for this. I'm just tired of that, and I, I don't think it guarantees you anything outside of some high picks. And I frankly don't have that much trust in their ability to identify and draft talent. Definitely not. I don't have any more trust in them than I did in, in the previous uh, At, at the point where you don't trust your front office to draft players, it's time to get a new front office, not say we shouldn't have draft picks. Like, like that, it's, it's a thing people have said, like, oh, <laughs> I don't trust them to use these draft picks anyway, so there's no way I want to have draft picks. It's like, well, then why would you trust them to evaluate free agents? Why would you trust them to evaluate salaries? Why would you trust, because them, they trust signed, them to do anything? Like, yeah. like this is a huge... Well, because they signed DeMar DeRozan, Doug. That okay. was a great move. That I'm, was a fantastic I mean, like, there's a sort of like the, the blind squirrel analogy here. Like, it's just, you know, like broken clock, whatever you want to use. Like, yeah, if you make a ton of moves, some of them will be good moves. And those, yeah. that's not the only good move they made. Like, Caruso turned out to be a good move, and... Yeah. I wasn't a huge fan of Caruso when we, we Excellent. signed him. I'm like, why do we need like a pure defensive guard and, you know, whatever. So, so I'm not saying they can't make a good move, but then I also wouldn't use the phrase like, oh, I just don't trust them to ever make a good draft pick. Like, I, I think they could make a good draft pick. And, and usually the guys who are franchise changers aren't super hard to project. It's not like they would be sitting here going like, hmm, do I want Victor Wembenyama this year? Or do I want someone else if they were number one? Like, they would probably make the right choice, right? Like, I don't think that would be super complicated. So the other thing I'm going to throw out to this is it's not just that you rebuild. If you followed my plan, and I don't know, Mark, you've probably heard my version of the plan on Twitter or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, the goal isn't like, oh, I have my pick. The goal is like, all right, I spend a year. I, my pick sucks. I bring in three, four picks from all the guys I send out. You know, mm-hmm. maybe I get one more from Caruso, too, because I don't need him in a rebuild either. Yep. You know, maybe two from Zach, one from DeRozan. I then use my 130 million, like the Spurs are this year. The Spurs now have 14 extra draft picks over the next seven years on top of their own, I think it is. Or maybe it's a 14 total. Either way, they have, so they're like two a year. And the Thunder have been doing this forever. And the Thunder are like two, three picks every year. And then every year, the Thunder trade a pick for two future, yeah, where's for it two got future first round picks. Let's see where it gets them in three years, yeah. Fred. One, I'll tell you, the Thunder are going to be better than us this year. Well, the I heard Thunder that are going to be better ago. than us this year. They're better than us last like year. Uh, we'll see about that. Well, that's fine that you don't know about it. I, I mean, they weren't better. The, th- than us last the Thunder year. are going to be they better weren't. than us this year. I, I and do even know if that. They, they're going to be the sa- fine. Let's just say we're the same. We'll just say we're roughly the same, despite the fact that like everyone good on their team is like under twenty five, and so they have lots of potential to be better. Uh, let's just say, for the sake of argument, we ignore the fact that two and of our key guys all. are like in their mid thirties and are going to decline real soon. Let's ignore that for the moment. They still then are the same with like 21 draft picks in the next seven years instead of six. Like, that seems like a fairly valuable Doug, thing. Their best player, their best player by far is, is SGA, who was acquired in a trade, not a draft pick. And well, what, 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 what do you use to make trades, team, Fred? Are you confident? What do you think a team going that to had be a better? star player that wanted to I, I, trade him? What do you think they might want back? Do you think like if you had seven first round picks, you might be able me, to trade for a star? Because that kind of seems like that's how that trade works. You don't have to draft them all. Let me rephrase. How confident? What do you think the odds really are that the Bulls blow it, quote unquote, blow it up, get a draft pick? Draft a player who ends up better than Zach Levine. What are the real odds? I think the of that odds happening? of them doing 
having a second round team based on the plan I outlined are dramatically higher based on the plan they have now. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Dramatically higher than what? What we are going to do instead. Than what? Then keep the guys we have and try and continue to rebuild around this group. I think that's... I think that's. I disagree. I think you're 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 not counting. Look at all the factors. Well, there's like there's like a one percent chance this plan works. And like I said, if it doesn't work this year, what are you doing with Demar Derozan next year? All right, to you, Marcus. Fred and I already thought about this. Next year, yeah, we win forty four games. All right, Mm -hmm. like a pretty pretty solid season. You know, the incremental improvements we make are good. Yeah, Lonzo is done. Let's just say we're able to get medical retirement and he's off the books or whatever. Um, Pat Williams is taking a step forward, not all-star step, but looks like a viable starter. And DeMar DeRozan has a, another all-star season, um, probably like the same as last year. No better, no worse, same as last year. Uh, DeMar DeRozan now wants $40 million a year. Are you giving it to him for three years? No, I wouldn't be, but... Um... I know the point that you're making. They're in an interesting cap position now whereby even if you take Lonzo off the books, depending on what you do around the circles or around the margins, particularly with Patrick Williams and the timing around that, or even if you do nothing with that because his cap hold is going to be gigantic, like you're in a cap situation where you may already be over the cap entering next offseason. And to your point, if you sign DeMar to, even if you sign DeMar to like a $30 million deal, which I think is a number that's, well, I think it's probably more likely than 40, at least I hope. But in that scenario, you're pushing up against a tax for virtually the same team that's one year older. Would I do that? No, ideally not. I'll, but then and that's part of the reason why I would have pivoted now already because I can sort of see where this is going. You have to pay Virch, and if, if you're paying Virch, you're keeping Zach, then you kind of have to pay DeMar. So if you want to remain relevant, you kind of have to do it, I guess, because there's no way to really feasibly change the team because you're going you're to be over the cap, and next next season's free agency is really, really bad if people haven't looked ahead. So they're, 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 they're making the situation even worse in some regards for themselves because... They're capping themselves out. They're not giving themselves any real opportunities in free agency, even though, like I said, free agency isn't the greatest tool right now to utilize, but still it is an option for them. But they're removing that option completely if they just keep bringing everyone back and giving them them market value deals. So in that sense, if the Bulls are playing like $170 million for basically the same team that we have on, on, on the books at the moment... It's not ideal, so uh, I definitely wouldn't be doing it. But I kind of, I kind of see this is like as to where they're going. I'm expecting extensions for Pat Williams and Demar Derozan soon. To be honest with you, because what what else are they going to do? I don't, I don't, I don't think them being creative. And really, the only thing I think they will do if they do anything at all to change is probably trading Zach Levine. I think that's probably more likely than trading Demar Derozan or anyone else. Yeah, I'd like to jump on that right now. Do either of you really believe it's? possible for the Bulls to trade Zach Levine and get anywhere near commensurate value for what he really is worth right now? I mean, no, because generally in star trades, no one gets you know equal value in that sense, at least at least not initially, maybe down the road, uh, like, in the, like an SGA trade. I mean, we were talking about OKC before. I would say that they got equal, if not much better value for Paul George with SGA and all the other stuff that they acquired via the Clippers. So initially, maybe not, depending on what you trade for, but potentially later on down the road, there is 
some scope for it being better. But generally speaking, no, the, the, the deal that you make for that star player doesn't ultimately end up better. But it doesn't. When, we're not just focusing on that singular transaction. You have to be thinking about That's this correct. more broadly. But the point is... What what is their optionality here? Like their 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 big move, their their most value in well, return we'll in the trade the is question. Zach Levine. So I, I and his 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 name's the one that's constantly in trade rumors. It still is. So that's probably where this thing is heading. Yes, because he's got the most value. He's got the most value on the team across GMs across the league because he's 28 years old, still in his prime, and he just finished with the best stretch of his career from the All Star break to the first playing game where he was elite, absolutely elite as an offensive player. Mm-hmm. So I guess when it gets down to it, there's me on one side, and there's you two on the other side, and there's a fundamental difference between us on the ceiling of Zach Levine. Like, I have a true admiration and respect for those with the skill to score at a high level. He's an excellent shooter, three-point free throw shooter. He's improved almost every year he's been on this team. And there's far too many fans that follow this team who reflexively just rip on him because they've listened to guys' dopes like, uh, Nick Friedel for years without really looking and asking well what have we done to really put Zach Levine in position to become that guy we don't have any we've had zero three point shooting around him since been here that's the exact opposite of what Butler's enjoyed in, in Miami we've had no rim defender I mean like we've done a horrible job building around Zach Levine in fact he's not even we haven't even tried to build around him he's been the, the floor spacer for the Bulls like I, I know you guys don't believe in him. I, I, I really changed my tune on Zach Levine in the last I, month of the season. And so that's why I enjoy this. And I think when we look back two years from now, both of you guys are going to be look, looking at me like, you know yeah, what, you were right just, on Zach. Just like you were right yeah, a about bit the seventh title that was uh, going to happen. Was it this year? <laughs> last year? The year before? Well, Each of the if years they before? win the – Every single one of them? No. <laughs> look, I, I – If they win the summer league I like, title, uh, still I count. like Zach Levine, and, you know, and I kind of think Mark likes Zach Levine too. Yeah. Yeah. It's just there's a difference between liking Zach Levine and thinking he's a top 10 player. Yeah. If you're a top 10 player <laughs> before the age of 28, like you move the needle in the wind column. You know, like that's just top 10 players move the needle significantly in the wind column without How a lot of help po- around them. Like LeBron, surrounded by nothing in his rookie year, probably still moved the wind column by like 20 games. Like it's just. Yeah, yeah LeBron, you're saying top ten players. You're talking yeah. about super Nate, elite players. Top, Doug, the top ten player. Yes, the top ten players in the NBA. Almost all of them are twenty. They don't get to that point until they are Fine. twenty-eight. So, the so top LeBron 10 players right wasn't a like top 20, ten player moved, in right? There because he wasn't twenty-eight yet. Either way, like top ten players. LeBron is a generational players, talent. Super elite That's players it. move the needle, and they do so before their like tenth season in the year, the league doesn't take them that long to move the needle. You can just see it. And so, look, I like Zach Levine. He's a really good player. Like, I'm not trying to tell you Zach Levine sucks. He's a really good player. But he is not a top 10 player. Yeah. Like, he doesn't have that kind of impact. Did, 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 did. did you feel Jimmy Butler was a top 10 player up to the point he yes. was 10, 28 years old? 100%. He, he absolutely I didn't think, was. I don't think... Don't get out of here. I don't he think Jimmy Butler is a top 10 player now. So, and I don't think he ever has been. I think he's like I think he's oh, like this top is a good 15. Topic. Let's talk. Like, I think he's he's close. He's <laughs> like just debate. on the outside of that. <laughs> but yeah, he was like that his last year with he moved the needle on wins like in his second even third years here, like in his fourth year. Like you could tell he made a huge difference when he played. It showed up in all the stats, it showed up in all the numbers, showed up when he went to Minnesota, showed up when he went to Philadelphia. So yeah. Like Jimmy Butler is the anti-Zach Levine. 
like even without putting up big stats, he always moved the win margin. Mm-hmm. Go back any year you want, Frederick. Um, Philly was good before he arrived, and Philly was good after. Nah, he nonsense. Go back to Jimmy's last couple of years in Chicago. He was top ten in all advanced metrics at that point. Continued on it, like Doug said, in Minnesota and Philadelphia, and now in Miami, he continues to be top ten. This season, he was bloody top five in so many of these advanced metrics. His, his general box scores aren't what uh you know you would think of a superstar-like player, but we know what Jimmy does in the playoffs. So, but let's not even compare. Zach Levine to, to Jimmy because that's a disservice to Zach. The point is you're trying to make us, Doug and I, uh, sound like dopes here by you know, equating us to, to Nick Friedel who could be more anti-Zach Levine. We're not anti-Zach Levine. We're just pushing back on the, this idea that he's a top 10 guy, which clearly he is not and probably has no scope to being, which is your effectively your position. That's so not you're, my you, point. You're, you're out here calling Nick Friedel a dope no, my p- for, for being anti-Zach, but you're, you're on the opposite end of the spectrum where you're, you're effectively saying this guy has ten top 10 ability, which is just ridiculous. It's, there's absolutely no basis for it is. It's not ridiculous. He absolutely was a top ten player no. in the NBA for <laughs> he a was, large stretch no, of last season. From, no, the, from the All Star break on, yes, he was. No, he averaged twenty seven points. A top 10 player. He was clearly People do a top this ten thing. player. People. Yeah. You know what? John Hollinger finally came out and said it. Like I've actually heard some finally some smart people saying, you know what? See, Brad Fred was right from the All Star <laughs> game to the first play in game. John Hollinger doesn't know who you are. Twenty three game stretch. He was a top ten player. I'm flipped. No, well, he he confirmed my. He he didn't name drop you at any single point. In, in, Not in one comment. point did he say "C Red Fred" or he Fred didn't Fire name drop anyone. me, but he name dropped my <laughs> theory. All right, because we've gotten in thirty minutes, forty right. minutes, I think to about one and a half points to my ten point <laughs> list of topic discussions because we got derailed and old arguments. All right, get through all this one out there. Uh, we'll start with uh, we'll start with you, Fred, because I know you like to be positive, and I'm going to force you to not do it. Rate rate Acme on a scale of one to ten. <laughs> uh, I'd say overall, I'd give him oh, a four. very positive. I very think positive the uh, the Demar Derozan move was uh, one of the best free agent signing, or technically, it was a trade, one of the best moves in the history of the organization. I think. Somehow, some way, we've come to underappreciate DeMar DeRozan as a fan base. I can't get over how many people are just, like, discounting what he's done over the past two years and acting like his departure or potential departure in the form of a trade would not have serious ramifications. Yeah, we might not be able to make it to 10th. That was an excellent move. Serious ramifications. The stakes (laughs) could not be higher. You are really a doggable. <laughs> the Lord of Doggable, the new one, is Doug Tone. This is unbelievable. But okay. that said, I did love the IO pick in the second round. I don't think you can argue that the first round picks have been disasters considering some of the talent that comes that came subsequently. And I know you guys are going to say, "Well, you can't judge them on that." Yes, you can. That's how you judge. That's how you judge front offices. Who do they pick and who was available at that point afterwards? And by any stretch of the imagination, letting a player like Halliburton go past them and every other team that took them after that is a major miss um to have a fourth overall pick and to miss on that uh, and i'm not saying that you know obviously uh i'm not saying that p will is a, a terrible player by any stretch of the imagination but i think it's pretty obvious to all who are watching his ceiling's probably a solid rotation player he's not going to be a multi 
play multi-year all-star. And if he is, it's on the Luol Dang plan. So I'd love a Luol Dang type you know, at number four. I thought the Dalen the Dalen Terry pick was was a disaster. I don't know why they thought that was a good pick. Uh, the guy couldn't shoot in college. He was the third best player in Arizona's team. Why would you take a guy like that at, when you had? you know, premier rim defender on the board. And don't tell me like Walker Kessler, nobody was talking about it. Yes, we were. I had conversations with Joe Cowley about it before that draft. He was absolutely being discussed in that area. I was a big fan of Malachi Branham, who uh, Zach Lowe just talked about in his last show. I mean, I I don't see any stretch of imagination that this guy's going to be a good player. I just want to interject Um, for a moment to say, you compared yourself to Joe Cowley in a positive light there. You're going to go on record with that? You and Joe are in cahoots I love now? Joe. You and Joe Joe's are buddies? Good... I just want to make sure I'm, because, you know, you're, you're saying I'm so negative, but you're. I mean, I'm not as close to him as Mark is. Just checking. I'm not like Blood, right. blood Brothers <laughs> Mark like Mark. I've rambled down for a while Mark. now. One to ten. Where where'd you, where'd you put these guys? Uh, we're, we're three years in. Man, I want to be harsh about it. I want, I want to say two and a half. And I think that's somewhat fair, but I. I I mean, like, there's been there's been more bad than good. Initially, I thought this was good. I thought this was trending in a positive direction. But the fact that you would sit out... I'm still not over the fact that they sat out so many transactional cycles, as many as they did. I, that, to me, is pure incompetence. Something that was said about AK when he was hired about... When he was hired to, you know, take over from Pax and, and whatnot. At the time, the, if there was any negative critiques around him was, you know, that he maybe takes too long to to make a decision that he likes to sit back, deliberate, and really be measured, which is fine. I think that's that can be a good thing. But particularly in this role where you need to be quick on your feet, you need to move, and you need to adjust accordingly, he hasn't done that. Like, he's been very slow in some senses, and I think that's hurt the team. So, like, talk, we're talking about the, the current offseason, adding in Javon Carter and Tory Craig. Like, that's cool. But ideally, you would have done that last offseason and now would have added two more equivalent guys this offseason. And if that was the case, I'd be probably feeling a little bit differently about this current situation and therefore feeling a, little, a lot differently about AK. But the fact that they've sit out, sat out rather so many transactional cycles, like to me, that's just pure incompetence. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to stick to it. Two and a half, two and a half. Yeah. Well, I'm going to take the one, the under, and I'm going to give him a one. <laughs> like, literally, the, they're fighting Tim Connolly for worst general manager group in the league. And I've talked about it before. I don't want to pile on. I mean, I agree with all the stuff you say. The, both of you have said. The one thing I'll say is, like, you go back a year ago, we all knew they, we needed shooting, and they didn't add any shooters. Yeah. You know, and, like, this year they finally addressed that, but, like, you lost kind of, like, a whole season by not doing a better job of that and mm-hmm. just, like, waiting around to see what happened. And, you know, like when you're on this win now path, you just can't, you, you can't do that. No. Like I hate, I hate the whole strategy they implemented all together. Like just, just trade a whole ton of future assets when you're like a young 30-ish win team to try to win right now. Like I just would never want to implement that strategy versus being patient, which is what they said they were. And instead, like they were patient and their patience resulted in them missing on Larry Markham. They valued him for a year and then said, oh, this guy sucks. And now he's an all-star. Like... I didn't like Lowry either, but you know, like I was just like trade him right away, like dump mm-hmm. him right away. You would have got more. So you waited a year to evaluate him, and then with that extra year of knowledge, you then still screwed it up, and and then got an even lower return. So it's like you you tried to split the baby in half, and you know, like I don't know, all their moves strike me like that. Like just everything is a little bit 
everything takes too long and everything costs too much. Like they just overpay yeah. on the margins on almost everything they did. Mm-hmm. I will say I'm happy with this offseason from an execution standpoint. It's not the plan I would have implemented. But I do think this year, at least, even with the Vooch contract, which you know I'm not a fan of Vooch, even then, like, I don't think they drastically overpaid what anyone expected. And then Javon Carter seemed like a pretty good deal relative to what his market was going to be. Torrey Craig on the minimum seemed like a really good signing relative to what we want. Like, these aren't, like, major moves. But this was maybe the first offseason where I feel like they didn't even just get killed on the margins. Like, I feel like everything else we did, we just even got killed on the margins. Even, like, giving Derek Jones Jr. and Andre Drummond, like, player options to get, like, one extra year was, like, you know, making uh, Tristan Thompson using the biannual exception to give him like an extra like $100,000 to convince him to come on the buyout market. Like they would just lose in all these like little teeny ways giving Marco Simonovic three years. Like, like there's just these like dumb things they would just lose on like over and over again. And you're like, what are you, what are you doing here? You know, like, and, and so this, year, this off season, I'm at least happy they didn't lose on the margins. And so that's, that's a plus, but overall, yeah, I, I, whatever. I'm so upset with them. I'm done with them, but um, <laughs> all right. And, and to follow up on your point though, Doug, I did want to mention one thing. Like I hear that a lot, like, well, you know, you guys didn't, you know, you, you and uh, Doug didn't, weren't, weren't as upset when Lori Markin walked away. We're not watching every practice. You're not watching and seeing them how they work inside the building. We do, we have one fifteenth, one twentieth the information that the organization does on these guys as players. So yeah, of course not. We don't have that, and you better make sure that your decisions are well thought out of because you have a lot more. You know, you have a lot more data than oh. we do. They let Max Struess. He was in the building for four months. Torn ACL. There. They, well, yeah. He walked out for nothing. Um, yeah, I I don't know. He tore the ACL in December of 2019. When he took over, he was walking and working out in that. Yeah, still recovering from a torn ACL in April, four months anyway, later. I don't, I, I don't care well, about Max Drews only because, like, he, whatever, his situation was pretty unique. But I, I, I'd be happy to say I would have screwed up on Lowry, even if I was in the building. I probably just screwed up on Lowry. But I'd have screwed up earlier, and I'd have got still gotten more value back for him than they did. You know, I wouldn't have waited a year and then screwed up. I would have just screwed up right away. Like, I don't know. That's it gets back to the decisiveness thing. I don't blame people for being wrong either. Like, it's okay that you're wrong, you know, occasionally, but like you should have a process and a, and a procedure you go through kind of to what Mark alluded to earlier. And I just, their process doesn't seem to, to make a lot of sense to me. And that's maybe what bothers me the most. Anyway, moving on opinion question. Will we use the disabled player exception? Mark? I can't see it happening. First. I can't see it happening. Uh, the team is hard capped. They're hard capped at what, like 172 million, something like that, whatever the, the first apron is. Uh, they've got about 160 odd million in, in, well, I'm projecting them to have after they've signed Julian Phillips and a couple of end of bench vet men guys. They'll be up, they'll be close to the tax line at that point. So I, I, I'm expecting them to be under, but assuming they're close to the tax line, there'll be seven, maybe $8 million difference between. Uh, the hard cap and where the, the the current situation is in terms of salaries. So even if they use the DPE, they certainly can't use it all. But will they use it all to, or use it at all rather to bring someone in and really push into the tax? Even if it pushes them up to the to the apron, I just can't see that being the case at all. There's no there's no reason to believe that is the is is something that happens. I I think that they did the right thing by applying for it, and I think the only way they use it is if they have something similar to the 2021 season whereby you know they're just out of the gates seemingly one of the better teams in the east and they're and uh you know they're putting up some wins and the team is above 
expectations and as AK has said as as uh, ownership has said like if you've got a top four top top six type team at that at that point maybe we'll think about paying the tax but are they going to use the DPE now to push over the tax line and up against the apron before the season starts I can't see that happening Fred you have thoughts on uh, you know salary analytical questions <laughs> His thought is, what? What is what is the salary cap? <laughs> if not, I'll, I'll I'll counter. I just want I didn't want to like I, you know. I, I just, you. I mean, I I didn't feel like they had a lot of moves here. I mean, just because the way ownership has been for a long, long time, and I know, you know, Mark's been shouting at the clouds and angry at Gar Packs, but they had far more restrictions, I think, than this group has had. And, you know, I've highlighted this many times. They did not want to let Kyle Korver walk. They did not want they, – they were under restrictions that were – no other front office has been under for many years, and they operated as such. They built through the draft. They tried to get young All players. All right, I'm going to derail you contracts. from just going back to a Garpax conversation when I asked you about whether we'll use the disabled player exception because I'm not sure how we got back to Kyle Korver okay, right here. Um, but but They won't. <laughs> Answer it. They I'm going to throw out a couple of things for you guys just to, to chew on or think about. One, if, if we, I don't know, I have all the exact numbers for all the contracts, and I'm not sure if we have to carry 15 players or if we can still carry 14. Mm. If we've signed three official two way guys, and if we have the option just to waive one of the two way guys to get out of that and then go to 14. I'm not exactly sure how that works. If you're not aware, in the new collective bargaining agreement, you get three two-way contracts, but only if you carry 15 guys on your roster. Otherwise, you can only use two. And then uh, you can have 14 guys. If the Bulls can carry 14 guys on their roster, and if all the salaries are as I have estimated them to be, uh, then I have the Bulls presently as able to go as high as $8.1 million on a single player and avoid the luxury tax. And so if they don't bring back Ayo Tsumu, then they could use the disabled player exception to take in a guy who makes $8 million where they wouldn't be able to sign a guy to that single spot with any other means. Like there's about maybe 5 million left on the mid-level and I, I figure what the biannual is now if it's like around 4, four million. And off, yeah. So yeah, so they, can, they, could, they could go a little bit bigger and still avoid the tax with the disabled player exception. Yeah. And so one of the things, Steph No was the first one I saw to say this, but I thought it kind of made sense even though it sort of also doesn't make sense. Danilo Gallinari would be a player that theoretically, if he's healthy, solves some of what we need, a shooting big man, another um, four that we could put in the rotation and, and solve some challenges we have. I think he's making $6.8 million this year mm-hmm. and could slot in. And the only way, you know, we could, we could make a trade for him of some type, but the main way we'd be able to bring him in is by taking him with the biannual exception which would also then, uh, you know, the Wizards have no need for him. They'd probably be willing just to dump him to us for nothing just to get the money off the books and not pay him. And so that was, I thought, if he proved out to be healthy, a somewhat feasible possibility. Otherwise, I just don't even know. I don't even know who you'd bring in. Like, there's, it's not like there's a guy left out there in free agency that you could sign on a one-year deal, you know, for $8 million that you would sign anyway. So it's, um, yeah. That, that, but I did think that was the best example I could think of at the moment. Yeah, that, that's a good point. In the calculations that I was rattling off before, I was I was assuming Io comes back for at least his qualifying offer. Now, to your point there, if, if he doesn't, if he just walks away, if he signs elsewhere, which maybe happens now, we still haven't heard virtually anything about Io, then 
your taxable salaries decreases, so your ability to use all of the DPE um, is now a thing, I guess, and while staying under the tax, certainly while staying staying under the apron. So in some respects, a lot of this is variable in nature. It's one move is contingent on the others. But assuming that you bring back I, let's just assume that's the case for the moment, then that's when it gets tricky. But like, do you really have to trade for Dylan, Dylan, uh, Danilo Gallinari at this point? Like, I mean, what what is he worth? Like some fake second round picks at most. But like, are the Wizards really going to hold on to him? Are they not going to just wave him at some point? And and at that point, could you not just you know sign him to a vet min? Or if you want to do the Tristan Thompson thing again, give him part of your biannual and give him more money than the vet min. Like that could be something that could happen. So I don't I don't even know if you really have to trade for someone like Gallinari because he doesn't make sense in 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 Washington. And I'm assuming he'll get bought out at some point. Yeah, I don't want Gallinari. Well, it seems like. Why would you rather have Gallinari? I'm not than, saying than you I. would, but maybe someone honest, makes an offer sheet on IO and you can't keep IO. Yeah. Maybe you just say I don't want IO because well, he's a non-shooter. Is the offer sheet going to be more than 7 million? Is it going to be more than 7 well, million? I don't want to pay IO 7 million for like 4 years. Why? Cuz he's not very good at basketball. The fantastic de- young defender. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Ridiculous. The, the, the hate on IO is just gone nuclear and he had a bad year shooting at 3. And every other aspect it's not of his hating game, he was it's as not good hating as he was an IO before. to just say like he's not a four year thirty million dollar player. Like that's not hating on him. Like I would love IO back at the minimum. I'd love him back on like even like say like two years and like at four million a year. Five million? Like sure. But like you get to a certain price tag and it's like, yeah, okay, like he there's lots of other guys and it's like if we needed an IO, that would be fine. But we need the opposite of IO. We need, we need like shooting. We don't need another IO. We need more shooters. And so it's just like the fit isn't right either. Like if he was solving a critical need that we had, like if we didn't have Caruso and we didn't have um, you know, Carter and you didn't have like defensive kind of role players already, mm. then yeah, IO would be a much better fit. But like otherwise, I can probably get Javante Green for the minimum. Like, or no, did he just sign somewhere? I feel like he maybe did. No. I don't remember. But. No. But either way, like I feel like I get him or Derek Jones Jr. back and and solve my defensive hustle role player thing at the minimum anyway. Like it just it's just not a need we have on the team. Can we point out the the hypocrisy here that Ayo Desumo had uh, like shot thirty one percent from three? Had that been any other player, had that been Javante Green, a certain person on this podcast would be crushing, absolutely crushing Javante Green for that shooting performance. But now that it's Ayo Desumo that's doing it. It's there's just all these excuses. It's just very interesting that um, someone could be so hypocritical. It's it's just truly um, amazing. I'm, I'm very surprised that something like that would ever happen. It's not hypocritical. Vooch shot there you go. There's an example of you being hypocritical Dude, in real time. <laughs> Where was your outrage about that? Where was your outrage? I think it's a massive mistake just to let I assume a walk out the out the door for over one or two million. Instead of like, I guarantee you, it will not be a massive considerably mistake bit to better. do anything with Io Desumu. I guarantee that Io is never just like you guaranteed us that Lori Lori Markin walking for twenty million a year would not be a massive mistake, and it was. What are you talking about? He's a young player. You have no idea what his ceiling is going to be. He had a fantastic rookie season. He took a step back from three last year. Yes. Do you think he'll take a step up this year? I guarantee you he'll oh, take a guaranteed. step up this year. Now, if he gives up the 
Yes, guaranteed. I'm going to guarantee too. You can guarantee. Right. I can guarantee too. And guess what? He's going to be 36 <laughs> percent this year. He was fantastic on the defensive end. He's, he's not fantastic guard. defensively. The, the dissing on this guy he's is not ridiculous. fantastic defensively. He's not he fantastic. Is fantastic. He's, he's, he's got potential defensively, but he's not fantastic. He's just not. He's yeah, not the most play- young yeah, players. Agreed. Aren't fantastic. Agreed. Correct. Most young players aren't, and Iowa is in that boat. He is a guy with maybe defensive potential who was a good defender in college who seems like he has a good body to be a good defender in the NBA, but has not put it all together yet. And you don't let guys walk away for one or two million dollars yeah, for that. If, if they're like, poor it's fits, be a mistake. If they're poor fits, you could just gamble on some other young player that has the same amount of upside. I mean, the same case about some other dude who's like 22 and is a free agent is going to sign for real cheap. Like Dale yeah, and Terry. Like Dale and Terry. <laughs> be about the same thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they're not even remotely the same. Come on. Io has shown so much more, showed show more in one week than Dale and Terry has in his entire career so far. All right. That's prob- probably true. This is true. a bad topic for us. Dale and Terry I, is not sure anything. Angry. So, yeah, I agree. I mean, you know, Io had an extra year of college and a whole uh, two extra years in the NBA, effectively, given that Dale and Terry played for like 30 seconds. All right. So, so we covered the tax. We covered the, the player, uh, disabled player exception. All right. Uh, Mark, anyone on, you want to see in particular for the last few roster spots? So we got Io as a potential option. You want to bring him back, and then anyone else who's just out there that you think uh, would be a good fit that's still sitting around? Oh, look, I was on the Mo Bomber train, despite um, maybe not everyone necessarily being <laughs> on the Mo Bomber train. Okay. But uh, I think this team needs another. We're just trying to extend the show now. <laughs> Are you serious? Were you really yeah, on the train? You gotta be freaking kidding me! I you're just on the train because well, you know it would piss of me it. off, right? Because there's nothing you could have seen that would indicate <laughs> he's a good player. It's a great idea. Let's bring in another off injured guy who's overrated with a lot of quote unquote ability who's done jack shit in the league. That's a great. Move. <laughs> I got Fred Let's do to it. swear. Let's that celebrate. doesn't happen often. Jeez, I'm sorry. I apologize to all the young listeners. Don't. Don't, uh, there is no l- don't young listener who's making I, it I through fifty minutes of, of, of this podcast <laughs> to hear this at this stage. <laughs> so that's can fine. We, can we edit it out? Don't you show this to Teddy? Don't you play this before Teddy goes to bed and night with no. his mittens that I bought him? By the way, I'm sorry about that. If anybody didn't realize this, I bought uh, Teddy some beautiful Bulls mittens and I didn't realize. I didn't think it out. Probably you say you bought as if you actually paid so, money uh, for them anyhow. for my son, but. They're probably things that you've had in the closet for like 20 years. I'm just like, all right, I'm just going to gift him this nonsense. But nonetheless, it's a thought that counts, which I appreciate. But coming back to the question that Doug asked, which we've been that has since been derailed, I think this team needs another big. They need a backup center. They need a third center, particularly after letting go uh, Marcus Simonovic, um, which is just a sad state of affairs. But I think they do, I do, they do need a backup center. So I think they need to sign a backup center at Ventman. Which is what Mo Bumba is signed to to go to the the Philadelphia 76ers. He's going to be a backup there, but they they need another big because it's really just Vooch and Drummond on the roster at this stage. Unless I'm completely forgetting someone, so I think they need a third big. And there's not a lot out there, but could you get someone like Bismack Biombo on the vet minutes to come be the third center? Maybe like that's that's a name that might be somewhat appealing. And when I say somewhat appealing, it's you know minimally appealing. But like that's the level of player that we're talking about now. There's maybe Paul Reed, who seemingly might be out on the out there in Philadelphia. Probably I don't know if he's big enough to be a center. But like yes. th- these are the guys we're talking about. There's not a lot of options out there, but you do need 
a backup five or a backup to the backup five because that's probably the one spot where I do feel the Bulls are a bit thin on. Um, they've sort of addressed the guard situation. They add Tory Craig. They added a wing-sized forward um, or you know a power forward-sized forward at least, another guy that's built somewhat big in that sense. So I think they need another big. That's what I'd be doing, Doug, but the names and options out there aren't ideal. Fred, anyone you like? Um, I do agree with Mark that we need. You know how many guys we have on the team that are over six seven? Two. Well, Two. I mean four if you're counting the centers, but yeah, yeah. Two guys. I get your point. No, no, two guys on that the are bigger than roster. six seven. The Bulls have two players. They're yeah. two centers. So there's there's more yes. than two. Yes, yes, <laughs> they have no six eight, six nine, six ten. Well, they got Julian what? Phillips, and they got <laughs> no. Vooch, and they got Drummond. He's not. He's six seven. Isn't Phillips like six ten? Vooch and Drummond are 6'10". Yeah, 6'10". Phillips is, a, is like 6'10", isn't he? I thought he was 6'7". I don't remember what that meant. I, I remember thinking he was... Regardless, I, remember I, I thought... Tall, but I could be wrong. According to my back-of-the-napkin math, the Bulls have two guys that are taller than 6'7". That's Vooch and Drummond. So, yeah, we need another. We need some more size. It's unstinking believable that we would have another year or another roster of no rim defense, but that's what we're going to be headed into, so... Uh, maybe you're right. Maybe Julian Phillips is 6'10". I thought yeah, he was 6'7", six, seven. Seven, but I could be wrong on that. Uh, my bad. Uh, he's 6'7". That's insane. That's insane. How many rosters in the NBA have two guys on the entire out of 15 players that are six taller, 6'8", or higher? It's insane. It's insanity. That's a, that's a roster malpractice. And I'm did, kind of did you know who did that? The Miami Heat, that, the, the team that went to the finals. On, they only bro. had like two guys that were above 6'7". So it's possible to go to the finals with that t- level of team, but you've got to have someone like Jimmy Butler on your roster. Not sure Zach, Zach Levine can lead a team that only has two guys above six foot seven to the finals, but I know Jimmy Here can. Here we go. You That's hate for him. certain. You hate Zach. Just admit it. You hate him. You hate Zach. I know. Him. Anyways, please. continue your thoughts, please. Ramina, you listen to this? I'm done. I don't have anything else to say. I agree with you. They need another. Yeah, I, I kind of like uh, Dario Sarch. I think he's going to go to Golden State. There. Oh, Is God. It? You've got to be freaking kidding. Oh, that's another well, guy. We're talking to guys at the minimum. Yo, yeah, he does. We're talking about guys at the minimum. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. like uh, yeah, he's all, all these guys suck. Like, were you, were you like Bismack Biombo is the bomb? You can't move. Like, you're just like this dude's a stud. I like Paul Reed. I thought Paul Reed was good. Yeah, call. Paul Reed would be fine, too. I mean, Sarich gives you a little shooting, a theoretically, too, mm. which is maybe just a little bit different um, of a fit and, and might be valuable. And he was recovering from a torn ACL. So, you know, there's sort of like a reason for his down year. And, and now that he's further removed from that, like, I think there's like a little bit of upside there. So, yeah. But I agree. You look around and there's not a lot. You know, the funny thing is I start looking around and I'm like, you know who looks good at power forward is uh, Derek Jones Jr. You <laughs> should bring that guy back at the minimum. Like, like seriously, I was going to Hollinger's boards list. It's like this list of like pricing guys of yeah. how much they're worth. Mm-hmm. And like the two best values left were Javante Green and Derek Jones Jr. Yeah. At power forward. Mm-hmm. And I was like, all right, well. So like there's not there's not like great options. They had five you know, available. And I like Derek Jones Jr. when he was here. I was kind of sad when he opted out. So I would uh, I would take him back. But yeah, there's not there's not much out there. No. Yeah, so. it, it, even amongst the list of power forwards, it's not great. The current Heat roster has, fun. All right. yeah, it's, it's 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 gone. It's over. There's nobody else out there. You know, if you're going to get somebody who's going to contribute and make this team better, the only do it on the uh, 
The only other name that I'd throw out there, not that I love this guy. Again, we're talking about vet minimum guys, but maybe Darius Baisley, who was, you know, started his career in OKC, finished it in uh, Phoenix last season. I don't believe has signed anywhere just yet, but I mean, he's very similar to that Derek Jones mold in, you know, that athletic tweener body type guy, still young, 23 years of age. Maybe that's someone you take a flyer on, but yeah, we're really talking about bottom of the barrel guys here for the vet men. So it's nothing super exciting. Yeah. All right. Do any, any of you guys have any Marco Simonovic thoughts? We finally waved him. <laughs> He's gone. <laughs> Anything we want to say about Marco? I think I wrote this down because I was going to make a great Marco joke, but Almost I forgot what it was. And then, you know, now we're just sad, sadly sitting there trying to talk about Marco. Uh, look, I have no positive when, thoughts. When but, I think of Marco, yeah. I think of the lessons you need. When I think of the lessons of, of Marco, the lesson is do not overvalue Summer League because I must have received 4,000 tweets after his initial game in the Summer League. Was it this past year or the year before? I honestly don't remember. I kind of blocked it, it out. It was his first year. Where he had an incredible first game. <laughs> yeah, he had some incredible game. Acme, more more Acme magic, et cetera, et cetera. The guy, the guy I, sucks. <laughs> One thing I noticed about him is he has zero motor. That's a big That's a big screaming yellow flag for me about Acme. They, they like these guys with low motors. Pwell, low motor. Marco, low motor. I guess they, they did sign. Uh, Dalen Terry is, the, the, uh, is all I motor. want more high motor Dalen Terry has. He's got nothing other than motor. He's <laughs> no skills, but he's got motor. <laughs> if we could stick Dalen Terry's. He does we, have if motor. We stick Dalen Terry's motor into Pat Williams. Man, what a player we might have. Yeah, that'd be nice. Dalen Terry is the uh, that band that Mark likes. Was it Between the Dead and the Cow Dung or whatever that's called? That band you like, Mark? What's that band? No one knows what you're talking about, but I do. You know what I'm talking about? What's no that band? Knows. I have no idea. <laughs> uh, Fred. Yeah. I, I'm going to throw one more thing out there because I think I'm just crazy. And I, do you have other Marco thoughts? No, we can move on. It's nothing pressing. <laughs> All right, good. <laughs> they were going to be brilliant. Insightful things people need to hear. <laughs> I think I'm like totally on an island on this one. Like I might be the only one who thinks this, but like I really just don't care at all about the Damian Lillard thing in terms of like thinking Lillard's just being a jerk or whatever else. Like, like, yeah, he demanded a trade. That's just what happens now. Like the Blazers are still fortunate that they get something back. You know, yeah. like, like LeBron, I, I use this example. LeBron left Cleveland twice and Miami once and those teams got nothing every time. You know, maybe even saying I only want to go to Miami, like the Blazers aren't going to get a ton back, but they're going to get something back. And they opted not to try to win around him. Like they could have traded the number three pick and tried to win around him, and they decided not to. They've been on the fence about like, oh, maybe we should rebuild for like a gazillion years now. Like, you know, they're non-playoff team. Like, what did you think was going to happen here? Like, yeah, he demanded out now. Like, okay. Yeah. Like, so what? Why, why do we feel like so morally obligated that like, oh, the player, he signed this deal. He's got to do whatever. There's an implicit contract as an organization you have when you have like a superstar player to try to actually win games. And if you're not going to do that, then that guy is going to want to leave. And you're still better off that he wants to leave and you get something than, you know, you're not getting anything. And what the hell are you going to do with Lillard on your roster, like propping you up to like 43 wins? You know, you probably would rather have your better draft pick and just throw more minutes at all your young guys and let them be better too. Like, this is better for the Blazers in the grand scheme of things. And there's, like, so much outrage about, like, Lillard doing this. Like, 
I think the Blazers literally just wanted to trade him for the last year and were just like, you know what, F it. We don't want to look like the bad guys. We're yeah. just going to wait till he asks for a trade and just like tank this until that happened. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, their trade value is now going to be so much less than if they traded him earlier because they took this philosophy. But you know what? I'm on, I'm on team Dame with this. Like, I just, I just don't care about the Blazers side of this at all. Am I, am I nuts? No, I, I'm definitely with you. And the, the thing that really, really annoys me is people spent years saying what is dame doing why doesn't why doesn't he want out why is he not demanding a trade he finally gets to the to that point now where like he's given this organization every single possible chance to build a team around him he's been more loyal than probably anyone has been in a long time at least to the point where it's probably annoying at this point to even have the conversation about how loyal he is but he's gotten to this point where he's, he's finally demanded a trade yes he's, he's demanded a trade to a specific location he's doing what people have advocated him to do for years now which is demanding a trade why are people now suddenly annoyed that when a star demands a trade that he picks his de- destination in this instance when that's literally what happens every single time whereby a guy demands a trade and he's either saying, I want to go here or maybe I want to go to one of these two or three places. Like He's literally copying the same playbook that uh, every other star has done in a, in a trade demand. The thing that people are asking to, him to do now that he's doing it, people are annoyed that he wants to go to Miami for some reason. It's... The, the hypocrisy is uh, annoying to me. I'm completely with you, Doug. I think this any any shade that Damian Lillard is getting in this incident and that he the Blazers owe him nothing or the fact that he's contracted for four more years, that he gets no say, all this nonsense, like, yeah, it bothers me too. I think it's just stupid. But I think people are annoyed that he might end up in Miami. I don't think people want him to end up in Miami for whatever reason. Maybe there's a certain, po- certain person on this podcast that doesn't want to see him in Miami for certain reasons but yeah the uh the level of uh, hypocrisy around the dame situation is uh is very stark and i'm gonna add one thing fred and i know you want to jump in and just give mark a bunch of shit so i'll let you do that in a second but <laughs> the one thing i'll add is like i don't care if like portland says like hey we're not going to trade you or we're going to trade you to utah even though you want to go to miami portland at this point should do whatever is best for portland yeah, sure. You know, but Dame's going to do whatever is best for Dame. Mm-hmm. And if Dame tells Utah, like, I don't want to go to Utah, and then Utah says, like, well, we don't want to trade for a player that doesn't want to be here, then whatever. It's all fair game at this point. Everyone mm-hmm. now is just going to do what's best for them. And that's, mm-hmm. that's kind of like how I view it. So I don't feel like, oh, Portland needs to bend over backwards to accommodate Dame. No, they should do what's best for them now. Yeah, that's fair. But there's a pretty good chance what's best for them is going to be ultimately to trade him to Miami. Like, it's mm-hmm. unlikely that a better option is going to emerge for a bunch of other reasons. Yeah. All right, Fred, we'll let you tell us why Dame to Miami is going to be the end of the world. Well, before we go any further, I do want to just highlight the Miami Heat team last year had like six guys, <laughs> six, eight or over. So, God, Mark, I don't know where you get this stuff from. It's so irritating. <laughs> so you're like, I'm, I'm glad that you spent that time that while Doug and I were, six, were talking about this. You were researching the Miami Heat's roster. But anyways, continue your... <laughs> I'm sure you're gonna have some really positive. I, I honestly, here. I was honestly totally focused. <laughs> I was honestly so focused on that I have no idea what the question is. <laughs> I'm kidding. No, I think it's out. I think it's outrageous. I do honestly. Like I'd have no problem with Dame saying I want to be traded. That's fine. Um, when you say you want to go to one place, you've just effectively made just absolutely destroyed what that team can get in return. Um, I, I, albeit, look with the Beal situation with the Suns. There was he doesn't have a no trade clause like it, it shouldn't matter well, what it doesn't. he thinks. I, I do love Dame. Dame's Dame's one of my, one of my most favorite players in the league. I love the guy. 
I don't think the team around him has been awful. I don't think they've. I think they've tried. You know, CJ McCollum. I think that they've really tried to put a good team around him. It just you know hasn't worked for whatever reason. This year, what's a better deal than Scoot Henderson? Like it, I, I, I didn't hear any suggestions at all that to me would indicate. Yeah, yeah, I'd rather have Scoot Henderson. I'd rather have this guy than Scoot Henderson. I didn't hear one suggestion for that. Any of these alleged trades that were out there. So like, I wish Dane would just say, well, maybe Scoot Henderson's better than than what I had. And like, the, the big picture here, I don't think it's good for the league when you have a guy who's in the second year of a, of a long term deal just say, I'm done. I want out. Then what good is that? What what good are these contracts? What? Why even have five year contracts? You guys and you you're sitting in your home in 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 Australia and Doug you here in Illinois saying, who cares? Who cares? Well, there's a lot of kids that grow up like devoted to a team, and if a guy can just say I want out, you're two of a long term deal. What is this? This isn't even a league. Yes, not even. A this league. isn't even. And, and I yeah, I'm I'm PO'd. I, I yeah, I'm PO'd because. Yeah, he goes, I want to go to Miami because he's good friends with Bam Adebayo. And then you get dopey tweets like from Mark talking about, look look, look what look what Jimmy said. What did Jimmy say? The day he leaves the, the, after the season's over, I want to make it a top priority. Do you guys go after Dame? Oh, thanks, Jimmy. All right, have a good one. Go get your uh, Michelob Ultra. What the hell does that mean? Like, what, what, why, why am I trying to be celebrating Just that? Just that, that There's no talent in telling your organization go get a top ten player. How about you go actually recruit? Like Bam did. Just, just admit that you don't want Lillard <laughs> to go to Miami because it'll make the, the Heat a, a very good team. It'll just add I don't want to, to go. the Jimmy's success. And adding to Jimmy's success is something that'll pain you greatly. Just admit that that's the case. Dude, are you a Bulls fan? What? No, 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 no. Here's why I'm not happy about it. Yeah, Aren't you a Bulls fan? Yes. Uh, does the Miami Heat reside yeah, in the East? I don't think they're beating the yes. Bulls anyway. So what? Right now, the Miami Heat have lost... Oh, come on. They've lost two of their key players. Vincent's gone. They lost Max Struess. Hello? Did, did not Max Struess do, do a lot of damage to our chances of beating the Heat? They're not a – they've significantly worse than they were last year. Now they get Dane, they're going to be probably one or two in the East. Like, yeah, I don't want to see one of the best players in the league coming to the East, especially to Miami. There's nothing Well, if he doesn't go to Miami, he'll There's probably a, fact, go to Brooklyn. Logical. And I'm they're a team in the East anyway. So, like, why aren't you – if, if that's your or, biggest or concern, I'd rather him go to Brooklyn because guess what? It's going to go somewhere in the East. I'll, yeah. I'll put it this way. I kind of hope he goes to Miami because we're not going to do anything in the next two, three years anyway. And if they have to give up like all their swaps and like whatever their 27, 29, whatever the picks they have left to give up, you know, it's going to damage the heat or whatever. The heat's run will then be good for the next two, three years. But then, then it'll be over for them and they'll be in a really difficult position to move forward. And so, well, we're not going to do anything this year, you know, whatever. I'll, I'll, I'll be happy that teams hamstring themselves, you know, in the next time I feel we have some chance to compete. Um, so kind of irrelevant to me. What would you, what would you guys be saying if Zach Levine just said in year two of a long-term deal or year one, eh, you know what guys, I've been here for four years, five years. You guys have done nothing to really help me. And that's an absolutely true statement yeah. outside of DeRozan. I'd have no problem. What what can you do? I, you know what I want. I want I trade you send, Zach. I want you. I want to go to Los Angeles Lakers. Yeah, and then he says, "I want to go to Lakers." That's it. Okay. Then you got to fi- you got to sift through their pile of garbage. Like, look, look at this trade that's being. I love saying is Ky- Tyler what, Hero. Like, I don't blame Dame for that or care. Like Portland doesn't have to make a trade. I'm not saying Portland has to trade him, 
I'm just saying, like, I don't care that Dame said, hey, I want to go here. Well, they kind of do. They don't. They kind of don't. They can do whatever they want. But, like, their best option is probably to trade him. Yeah, and I'm if Zach sure Levine go demands well. a trade, which, golly, that sure wouldn't surprise me, to be quite honest with you. I'm like, I could actually see that happening this year, and if not this year, next year. And if he does demand one, he's probably going to have a list of teams, and we're probably just going to make the best deal we can. And then what I'm going to say is we should have traded him earlier, which I have recommended every year for the last several years, along with all the other players, because it was obvious we were going to end up in a situation, which is the same thing I would have said if I was a Blazers fan, you know, back then. But you're missing the point, Doug. What 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 Fred's trying to say here in 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 acting as old as he possibly can be is that this ruin this is ruining the fabric of the game. The NBA players shouldn't be demanding <laughs> trades. Like free agency is ruining the fabric of the game too. I'm fine with demanding trades, just not in year oh, two. Yeah, because because these franchises are so down. wedded that's, to their players, they, the best the way franchises let me, absolutely commit to the deals this. that they sign. Yeah, it's it's bad for the players to yep. have, want to have some level of control. How how dare they? The guys that drive the value of this league, how dare they ask out and want to do what they want to do with their lives and their continues? That just I can't wait till Josh. I can't. I can't wait to hear his oh. statement when Josh Giddy, Josh Giddy demands a trade to uh, Sacramento. Hey, I got, I got breaking news. Go in, in breaking news just happened. All right, clear off your calendars. Julian Phillips is not playing today because oh. he's not signed his contract. So he's on the summer oh, league game, God. which is going to happen an hour after this recording. Oh, he's holding out. He's holding out. I don't know. Just. It, let me just throw this out there. How, how do we how do we get, give up two second rounders for Julian Phillips and uh, Indiana gets two second rounders for Obi Toppin? Seems like uh, not a, not a really yeah. great. Move. I would rather have Obi Toppin than Julian Phillips. I would rather have KJ Ma- KJ Martin. Yes, the, the Clippers think- de- did the exact same thing for KJ Martin when they traded two seconds for Houston uh, for, to the same. Houston Rockets. I was going to bring that up before, but like when you were talking about like I'd moves on the margins that. that the Bulls haven't lost. I'm not a big Obi guy. I am certainly a big KJ Martin guy, but trading two seconds to get into the second round to draft Julian Phillips is probably losing on the margins, in my opinion. But maybe that looks dumb and wrong in a few years' time. But at least at this stage. But to answer your question, Frederick, it's because they weren't, they didn't have cap uh, available cap room to to trade someone like Obi Tobin well, into, or you, didn't have exceptions what, to use, etc. So then, then that. What are you going to say when Julian Martin demands a trade? Who's Julian demands Martin? Demands a trade uh, next week. Are you going to also be like, hey, the players? <laughs> He's a better well, version. Julian Phillips, well, we'll see about Julian Phillips, but Julian Martin can't demand a trade either because would, Julian Martin hasn't signed a contract Phil- yet, so he can't demand a trade. <laughs> neither can Julian Phillips. So, uh, yeah, that, none of that can happen. But, Doug, is this the longest episode of the Bulls beat ever? <laughs> Julian Phillips. Julian Phillips. No, no, we've, we've actually rambled for way longer. Julian Phillips. To- okay. I'm going to throw one more... Julian Phillips demands a trade. What are you going to say? I, I just get, want to know. You're going to be all for player yeah, empowerment. Sure. Yeah, uh, like I'm going to answer empowerment. your question. You, I'm going to answer your question with a question, Fred. Uh, your real question, which was a while back. About the second year, guy who signed a big deal and then demanded a trade a year in. Kevin Durant signed a big deal for the Brooklyn Nets. You know, super max contract, whatever. And then he demanded a trade the next year. Hmm. Were the Brooklyn Nets better off with Kevin Durant signing that extension? And, and they certainly knew at the time when he signed it that they were going to have to try to win right away, and he wasn't real happy, and he was sort of reluctantly signing it and was going to demand a trade if it didn't work out. Were they better off with him signing that extension, or were they better off with him just walking a year earlier? Uh, they were a title contender, Doug, and they ended up trading him away. So I, I think that's the first time 
that I can recall in my semi-long life that an NBA team that was an actual NBA title contender decided They to weren't a legitimate title contender. Get out of here. But ignoring that for a second, answer the question I asked. Were they better off that Kevin Durant signed an extension and demanded a trade, or would they have been better off if he just left for nothing the year earlier? Were they better off getting back four first-round picks, three swaps, and two outstanding young talents for Kevin Durant, or were they better off if Kevin Durant had just said, well, if you're not going to be willing to trade me later if this doesn't work out, then I'm not going to sign. Which of those scenarios would be better for them? They were better off with the former, but they would have been best off. All right, well, you don't always get best off for a title. because Kevin Durant wasn't going to stay for a team he thought was going to suck, and he didn't think. Well, you should expect that when you pay a guy a ton of money. That's what yeah, what you should, you should expect. expect is that you it's, have to win or he's going to demand contract. out. And they knew that, and then they were like, all right. They did win. win. What are you talking oh, about? Pace. They won like 14 games in a row yeah, they were last studs. year. They were just going to roll the whole I was game. at one of them. Which the, one were the, you at? Did they beat the Bulls in that the game? The game we were at. Top. The Bulls beat them. You remember that? You just said they won 14 the in a row. The game we were at on. Uh, anyway, that's fine. So you agree You yeah, agree that the Nets were better off, that they got four first-rounders and a bunch of prospects for Kevin Durant than if he didn't sign the contract. <laughs> yeah, so yes. sometimes. They're better off. I guarantee you that Portland, Portland will not be better off getting Tyler Hero in a, in a pile of hot, hot Yeah, garbage. well, guess what? Damian Lillard's probably a bad contract in two years and isn't like the superstar that Kevin Durant is. So anyway, all right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call it there. We'll, we'll assume that, Fred, I'll even give you credit and just say you won the argument just so you feel better about yourself. He absolutely didn't win the argument, but Thank yeah, you. we can tell I, him that. I think I did. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That'll do it for this edition of the Bulls Beat. Mark, Fred, you guys got any closing remarks? Do you want to throw out your Twitter handles? Everyone does that. Everyone who listens to this knows who you are and already follows you on Twitter. There's no one who possibly has downloaded this who doesn't have the information, but sure, we could tell us all about the cool Chuggo stuff. Chuggo. You guys go with Brad Chuggo? Chuggo. No, I didn't think we had any of us go about Chuggo. No need. I just... I, go off, Brad. I just wish there was more heat between you two on the booch. There was more heat between uh, Doug and Mark on the, on the booch discussion. I think that... There was a lot more on Twitter that than was apparent in this one, so that's the only disappointment. I've oh, had. sorry. Well, the only disappointment I've I've had on this podcast is the fact that okay. uh, you still, despite being an hour and fifteen minutes into this thing, you still haven't figured out how to dial into Teams. I was looking forward to seeing your beautiful face, Frederick. It's been a few months, um, but yeah, like your technology, your inability to use technology, I'll never ceases to uh, amaze me. But. Um, that's the only disappointment I have, really. But otherwise, this was a I'm great a time to catch up. I'm a little disappointed to not have Fred in the closet. From the guy who couldn't video. press That would have been hilarious. <laughs> Heinrich jerseys <laughs> hanging everywhere in his closet. You know, like, it would have been phenomenal. <laughs> I just always assumed he recorded on in the bathroom, on the toilet. But, to so, it, had it been on the closet, that would have been a step up in my mind. <laughs> All right. All right. That- we should do that. We should record one of those. I think it'd be a very yeah. interesting show. Uh, Anyhow, on that note, let's. <laughs> let's you had to bring the bus in, didn't you? Until you next time. I can tell you were about to. You're like, let's bring the bus into the garage. I, I forgot what show I'm on. I'm in a closet. It's dark and I'm confused. Dark, afraid, and confused. <laughs> All right. All right. That'll do it for this edition of the Bulls Beat. We'll talk to you guys sometime next week. Okay, bye.